in the far reaches of the galaxy, a civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. You will save us. What they got. Never give up. And never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? Okie dokie. And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away. Acting like heroes. The whole thing was just a misunderstanding. May not be enough. DreamWorks Pictures presents Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Galaxy Quest. You're just gonna have to kill it. We'll go for the mouth to throw his vulnerable spots. It's a rocket that not a vulnerable spot. We are from the planet Fimrill. We will do a podcast. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Hello, mate. Welcome back, everyone, to the film real cast. That's, uh, that's our usual style of intros. Yes, <laughs> we are going to Galaxy Quest. The ship was as big as this. Um, but, mate, in um, normal English terms, that means we are reviewing 1999 Galaxy Quest. If anyone wondered what that was about. And if anyone else wonders, the fifth best Star Trek film for some. Yeah, well, I'd honestly, I'd seen this film. Um, oh, one, it's only myself and James here, so that doesn't mean you've got to turn off and not listen to it. But we haven't got Neil. Um, Neil's uh, one of his little ones ill, so we wish him all the best. All the best. That. And uh, everyone from the film real cast is sending all their love. So, um, but yeah, let's say it doesn't mean everyone's got to stop listening. Cause it's me and you, Jay, but. Yeah, Galaxy <laughs> Quest, 1999. I, I'd seen it um, advertised, and it's currently on Netflix, soon to be being removed, apparently, by in the end of May. And I've just never, ever seen it before. I've always hovered on it, and then just thought, it's not my cup of tea. I don't like Star Trek. I love the old William Shatner Star Trek, but I don't like Star Trek after that, so I just won't watch it. It, it seemed shit. See, it's interesting you say that, because obviously... Um... Looking at this film as a whole, it's a lot more it's a lot more homage to the William Shatner Star Trek than the next generation. Yeah, oh completely. And I really, really got that. And it was strange because considering the cast, I mean you've got Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, um, Sam Rockwell, uh, and you've got Tony um Shabu. Uh, who I've seen in loads of things. He's just one of those actors who you think, oh, I've seen him in loads. I know that guy. I just know that face. And it's a really, really big cast. Massive names. Mm. All I can think is it's that Star Trek kind of sci-fi link that really, really put me off. And I I went back to the trailers. I think the trailers didn't do it justice. And it put me off. Yeah. Uh, when I first watched it, I didn't watch the trailer. I think I must have watched a review on like late night BBC, you know, like BBC News World or something, they do like review yeah. films. And I, I saw a review and it had more clips from that. The trailer didn't sell it for me, but upon watching those clips, I was like, oh, okay, I'm definitely renting it because I worked at Blockbusters at the time and I rented it. 
um, because because of that. Not because of the trailer, because I saw someone else reviewing it and seeing the clips, which is which is interesting because you're saying the trailer doesn't sell it, and I completely I kind of agree with you. I mean, when you look at the trailer, it's it's almost like a completely different film when you watch it compared to some of the trailers. That's what I felt in a good yeah. way. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I know what you mean because I don't like um, you know Spaceballs. Have you seen that? Yes. So what do you think of Spaceballs? It's uh, it is the fourth best Star Wars film, Stu, but. Oh, fifth off. actually fifth after like one <laughs> fifth after Rogue one I am and at um, some point you will mention John Wick no doubt during this podcast no, <laughs> no doubt I try not to no, I'll be honest with you Spaceballs is I, 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 I really like it I can understand why some people don't but those kind of spoof movies like Men in Tights Blazing Saddles it's a very set audience I think if you don't quite often but not all the time if you don't like one of them you're probably not going to like all of them that kind of humour I mean they were the, they were like the kind of scary movies of their time weren't they in a way yeah they were I mean I've got to disagree with you I, th- I think because you say you don't like one you might like them all Blazing Saddles I love Blazing Saddles I watch yeah, it again I, I love them all Okay. It's amazing, but Spaceballs really—I did not enjoy that at all. No. And I was worried this would be a Spaceballs version of Star Trek, uh, and I okay. think that's what's really, really put me off because, d- despite the names being obviously huge names, um, which is always a draw. Um, I mean, the director of this—I mean, again—he did um, Red Two. I mean, Bill and Ted Face the Music. I mean, people do like that, but I think that's a fucking terrible, terrible film. Really, I, I liked it, but it... I like Bill and Ted Face music. I enjoyed it, but it was a case of... I probably won't be watching that again anytime soon, but I'd quite happily watch the other two. So I, I only got best, halfway yeah. through. I stopped wow. watching it. Yeah, it I mean, so basically, it street fired you. It did. Yeah, it, it, it beat me. Yeah, I, I honestly... I tapped out. It, it was really, really bad. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, but I mean, he's done... Um, uh, what, what the other one that he did, which I mean, he's directed a uh, an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I really really enjoyed, and uh, ER. So he's done quite a few things, um, but he was this guy um, Dean Pariser. It would never be a name that I'd remember. There would even be a draw, especially off the back of um, Bill and Ted. I mean, that was I didn't know whether it was a case of I finally got old. And this humour just doesn't suit me anymore. I, I, or it was just shit. I honestly didn't know which one it was. Is it because where Bill and Ted were very much of their generation, meaning I think the first two films, I think you show maybe our kids, but I think you show our great grandkids and they wouldn't find it at all funny. But you show them Galaxy Quest and arguably maybe more sophisticated, they're, they're, they'd maybe find it more entertaining. Because I, I, I will go into the reasons why. I, I mean, do you think the Bill and Ted is a generational thing then? The humour. Yeah, I, I think it completely is. It's it's lost it now, and I I don't even know why they bother doing a third film. To be honest, did they, did they need to do a third film? Do you think? No. I I didn't think I honestly didn't think it was that bad. I saw the trailers and thought, oh, that's not, that's okay. Um, you know, they're rebooting the franchise. I mean, let's be honest, it's better than the most recent Die Hard. Uh, no, I, I, no, honestly, <laughs> wow. I don't know how you can hate John Wick too, but like Bill and Ted Face the Music. I honestly, it does not make sense. I like yeah, I did. I liked it, but don't get me wrong, Stu. As I said, I liked it. I didn't regret watching it, but it's not a case of I'm not planning to watch it again in the next two or three years, if that makes any sense. But I'd quite happily watch one of the other ones, like the, the first one again. I've watched the first one 
probably nostalgia. I don't know how I'd feel watching it again. I haven't seen it for years and years and years. But I don't know how far nostalgia would carry me through that film now. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we could add it to the list of many which which we're going to review. I mean, we, we were due to do Terminator 3, um, which I'm really looking forward to doing. I can't wait to do that because I think it's going to be really divisive. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think, I think it, it won't be. It will be you liking it and me and Neil um, um, calling you names. I, really, I did enjoy it, honestly. <laughs> I did enjoy it. So, and by the end of it, as usual, I will make you agree with me. <laughs> no, um, you might, you might with that one. You won't with, I think, the for fifth, the what, for fifth and sixth Terminator films. That's just, I, I feel the same about them as I do about the, uh, the, the new Star Wars trilogy. That'd be interesting. See, again, the Star Wars one, which we were set to do, but there was delay after delay after delay. I mean, COVID didn't help and everything else. No. And I've still got the notes for that Star Wars film. We, we, again, we do need I, to do that. Yeah, because I really enjoyed that film. And oh you really God. hated it. I, yeah, the, to, I mean, to me, that will quite easily hit. That, um, and, and, and The Last Jedi, those two will quite easily hit my, probably, I'm in my top ten most disappointing movies ever. That's interesting. You, I really, we need to put that one on the list and put it in the calendar to do because... I but it's almost like, like it. we need we need it's almost like because I think we've all got Disney Plus. It's almost like that if we're going to do it, we need to do the whole trilogy, really, don't we, to give it a fair shake. To be fair, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think we should start diarying the because it worked really well. We got some really good feedback from the Lethal Weapon and the um, Rush Hour yeah. uh, trilogies. Uh, I think people, I get a, certainly get a lot more enjoyment when we do the whole thing, especially when you see it grow. Yeah, like Rush Hour. And lethal weapon to a certain extent, you see it just falter and become a, a crap franchise, which is a great shame, especially for lethal weapon. Well, yeah, lethal weapon three weren't great, but four it ended up it ended up with a bang, didn't it? It was so good, so good. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. God, but I mean, but Galaxy Quest, I didn't know what it was about. I had no clue what it was I'm about. Glad, I'm glad you didn't know what it was about. I'm glad you'd only seen the trailer because this is going to be really interesting because I've seen it. I've probably seen it probably like what best part of a dozen times since 1999. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah. It's it's one of those films I probably watch every other year. Um, I yeah. I, I mean, up until the most recent review, I I think I'd watched it. Um, b- before doing it today, I'd I'd literally watched it. I think about a month and a half ago. Well, I mean, I watched it twice. I watched it yesterday and I watched it. Um, I finished watching it about half an hour ago again. Um, just for this, but. Yeah, it, it was nice to watch a film. Usually, I'm the one who's seen the film when we're trying to pick a film. So mm. it's, it's really nice for a change that you've not seen, uh, you've seen it a, a dozen times, and I just had no bloody clue. But for those who were on the same planet as me when this was released, it's about, um, as you said, a kind of a parody of Star Trek. These actors, um, their show quit about 18 years ago. And they're kind of turning up to conventions like Comic-Con and stuff like that. And they're living off the, the previous glories that they had. And the, the captain commander, the William Shatner, is Tim Allen, who, who plays a character, Jason Naismith. And he gets visited at one of the conventions uh, by these people who say that they're aliens. Um, and he doesn't believe them whatsoever. Uh, and the guy who kind of visits them, uh, what's his name? He's... Um, What's his kind of alien name? Oh, his alien name? Oh, God. Um, oh, it's, is it Matastar, isn't it? Matastar. Yes. Yeah, Matastar, yeah. yeah. 
and he thinks that they're kind of cosplay people and he doesn't believe that they are aliens and it turns out that they are and he even gets kind of beamed up and they even kind of take the piss out of that to a certain extent even better than star trek in my opinion and he thinks he's to feel um defeated um saris who's the baddie but he hasn't so the whole crew go there and they have to rely on their acting skills um to defeat saris because the whole crew um Mathisar and all of his colleagues have taken the series of galaxy quest to believe in its real life isn't it documentaries don't they yeah and that's the it historical yeah, historical, historical facts. Yeah. yeah, it's so so funny. So are they, and really, that's the story of can they use their acting skills to defeat Saris, um, and kind of get really, I suppose, get a bit of um, not faith, but it's a bit of honour back, really, isn't it? They're they kind of has beens when you see them at the start of this, uh, at the it is like a comic con, isn't it? But they are just has beens they're, they're kind of a joke or parody of themselves aren't they yeah but but by dothmar's hammer i'll avenge you whatever um yeah you're, you're right i i mean it's mostly shown in alan rickman's character because he has that i mean we have that really interesting scene at the beginning where they are at comic-con when we realize you know and they introduce that the show's been cancelled this is the last episode it's very clearly quite a long time ago we introduced the cast very quickly um Obviously, apart from, I don't say the lead, but the captain. And they're all quite different. They're all quite diverse. And yeah, yeah, they're all has-beens. The biggest has-been, I think, is is arguably Alan Rickman, because he's he's the one that's almost clinically depressed, isn't he, about, about, about it all? Yeah, and you, you learn that Alan Rickman is, he's been knighted. He's a, a recognised um, Sir, Ale- Sir Alexander Dane, a Shakespearean-trained yeah. actor. And for him personally, this is an all-time low that every time he goes somewhere, he's got to wear this makeup, which he thinks stupid, and say this corny line to all of his fans, and he's sick of it. And he's reached rock bottom in his career. I played Richard III. Five curtain calls. There were five curtain calls. I was an actor once. Damn it! Now look at me. Look at me. I can't go out there, and I won't say that stupid line one more time. I can't. I won't. Well, Alex, at least you had a part. Okay? You had a character people loved. I mean, my TV Guide interview was six paragraphs about my boobs and how they fit into my suit. No one even bothered to ask me what I do on the show. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's that's a really interesting scene near the beginning where there's a line of aliens that obviously look like his character. By Duffel, you know, and he goes, next, next, you just don't care. Yeah. Find them, and he's just really pissed off. <laughs> Which is it's, yeah, it's so funny. Which which is good though, because um he's uh, I mean him and obviously Tim Allen's character like chalk and cheese. Where Tim Allen, yes, he seems to be no one likes him. They still think he's arrogant. He's kind of out for himself. But one thing, um, I think they even acknowledge. I think um, it's a Sigourney Weaver's character says at some point. He you know they do love him and he loves the fans. And it kind of really goes with if you if you read any of the behind the scenes Star Trek with William Shatner how how the cast are not a massive. Uh, you know, I'm not saying they don't dislike the guy, but there was a lot of trouble on Star Trek because I think he he was, I think, a bit, of, I don't want to say jealous of uh, Leonard, you know, the guy that plays Spock, Nimrod. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the rumours are, and I'm, I'm, don't quote me on this, but the rumours are he took, he, want, he wanted to be the star all the time. And in, so even some of his lines and scenes um, he took from potentially other people seem to be a lot of the rumours behind it. And wanted really? to be the star. Yeah, yeah. So, there's a lot 
I think there's a the parody of William Shatner. There's a lot more to it and his character and the cast not really liking him as much as we think, you know, as you, as you think they would at the beginning. Um, and and I and I do I do think that's a nod to obviously that potentially that side of Star Trek, which some people might not know. Yeah, I always looking at this. I mean, Sam Rockwell is brilliant. He's always going to be Justin Hammer from Iron Man. Yeah. No matter what he's doing, he is Justin Hammer. He's brilliant, Sam Rockwell. I love him to bits. But it, it must be strange for these actors when you look at um, Star Trek and Deep Space Nine and other things like that of how they're kind of typecast or how other, everyone's typecast, like being detectives and stuff, that they can't get any other jobs. And it, it must be really frustrating for them. You're right. I think it's different now with your Game of Thrones and stuff. But back in back in like the 90s, the 80s, 90s, 70s, early noughties, you're right. I think when you were in a TV, you know, thing for, what, seven years most of you know, the next generation lasted. And then the original Star Trek is two or three seasons. But then you had all the movies. And I think all of them were typecast typecast back then um i don't think this is bad now but you were and that's all you think of i mean when you say william shatner i don't even think tj hooker even though i was in it i think i think captain kirk straight away whenever i see even now and not so much though uh, um john luke john luke picard uh, patrick stewart i still think of him as the star trek captain however he did obviously do a very good um professor x yeah definitely and i agree with you everyone knows him as captain kirk that's all he yeah. is yeah yeah and it, but he's he's done kind of really really well. But when you see um, like Ahura and people like that, that you're always going to know them from those films. And it, it must be if they believe, or if some of them are better actors when you see them in films, and it, it must be so frustrating not to get that opportunity, mm. just to be like like this guy, a kind of a commander of a in a, a cheesy soap opera, space soap opera. I mean, it, it, it's it's quite good, really, and, and I like this, this angle. And it's also good that kind of the foreshadow wasn't too much. When you got the guy um, who's from Jeepers Creepers, uh, Justin Long, who plays Brandon, um, come and speak to him when they're all signing pictures, and he starts talking about how much he loves the show, and he's got a question for him about like the spaceship or something, isn't he? Mm. And this was the first acting role that Justin Long had. So, oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's kind of, you didn't really know whether he was coming back because none of his friends you recognise. No. And I didn't know he was coming back. So it was nice that it wasn't some of the foreshadow which you had shoved down our throats in recent films we've reviewed. Yeah, I didn't, to be fair, Stuart, I didn't even think about it from that point of view because, yeah, I mean, I mean, Tim Allen's character, he's obviously doing the signing. Um, he kind of goes off to the toilet and that's when he kind of like has like a reality hit doesn't he where where the yeah. people go, look at all these sad people look, look everyone you know uh, you, you can tell the cast everyone else hates him and you know and basically as you're saying he, he, they kind of point towards the fact that he's a has-been and stuff and i don't think that you know um he's tim allen um character sees himself as a has-been yeah definitely definitely and it kind of does move pretty quick because then the aliens turn up at his front door of his house well yeah yeah after after speaking to him at the comic-con um where he's just like they're a bunch of aliens aliens he, yeah they they turn up and he's like yeah i'll do your thing um and it's, it's quite a funny scene isn't it because he gets drunk sorry for himself and he wakes up he's pretty much naked from the bottom down isn't he yeah and it's because uh, i didn't know what to expect when they started speaking, I pissed myself laughing at what they say to him because I thought, what is going on? Are these aliens? I still didn't know that they were aliens by then. Um, 
I just didn't know where it was going. It was just simple. I, I, it's just so funny. But it is um, Mephisar, um, who's like the leader of the, yeah. like the good guys of the aliens that, that does turn up. And it's just brilliant. How he talks is fantastic. Can I help you? Sir, I understand this is a terrible breach in protocol, yeah, but... should you come to my house, I beg you to hear our plea. We are Thermians from the uh, Klaatu Nebula. Oh. Our people are being systematically hunted and slaughtered by Rathaceris Fatukri. We are to meet in negotiation, however. Our efforts in this regard have been disastrous. Please, Commander, you are our last hope. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, it, it, it does have that. They all talk like that. You, I mean, you even have... Um... Oh, Dwight Schrute. They're going to pay Dwight Schrute in the office there. Yeah, yeah. Rain Wilson. Yeah, yeah. absolutely I like, brilliant. I didn't recognise. It's so young, isn't he? I know. It's crazy. But uh, And when they're in the back of the car, because he's, he's basically talking about um, a gig, like, because he just thinks, because he kind of sells himself out. You find that um, the rest of the guys do everything together, but he is living off his glory as the commander, and he does his own kind of solo jobs, yeah. which really pisses everyone off. And he thinks this is a solo job. And he goes, all I want is a limousine. And that's it. And they start talking. But when the the female doesn't have her voice modulator in, <laughs> and she starts talking, the noise she makes is brilliant. <laughs> 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 it's like that, isn't it? It's like it is. It's how she didn't have one. And then she tries to talk. Rather than be silent. And it's great. It's brilliant. Uh, I was cracking up and I was really surprised because I just didn't know what to expect. Did you get a, a real Buzz Lightyear when um, he was kind of saying all like Tim Allen was saying all of the like the quotes like never give up, never surrender. And he's standing yes. there. It's proper Buzz Lightyear. Oh, yeah, Close yeah, your definitely. eyes and Buzz yeah. is there, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. It is, isn't it? Definitely. Oh, it's just brilliant. But yeah, and he gets beamed up onto the uh the spaceship and he still believes he's on a set doesn't he because he's properly hung over yes yeah 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 and he walks down and i like the fact that you know he's here he's here and he's like on this space he's fairly impressed with the set despite the fact he's hung over sits down doesn't take it seriously and they kind of get upset with him at first and he's like okay i'll take it seriously yep yep shoot him you know what i mean they're, they're trying to do peace negotiation he's just fire him okay thanks see you later and he's like you fired on the <laughs> you fired on him this is going to be a you know yeah, what Some did you think about the piece. beaming up, kind of, because how they did that? Because he does, as you say, you've got um, like the big baddie, Cyrus, and it's kind of played down, isn't it, of how evil and dangerous he is, simply for the fact that Tim Allen thinks that it's just all makeup, and even quotes on the makeup of how realistic it looks. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, I mean, at this point, I think the audience knows it's real. Obviously, you know, I think that yeah. that's without almost without without question at this point because of how good the makeup is, um, and uh, yeah, and then then he basically destroys his ship or thinks he does, doesn't he? Yeah. In this in, in this in this in this parody, he wants to go, and I think it's it's the first time when he, when he gets beamed back to back to Earth, it's the first time he realizes it was actually real. Yeah, so they, it's really good, isn't it? The way the the doors yeah. open, and he's covered in this kind of gel. Yeah. And it's like in. Um, like Infinity War, when Hulk gets beamed down, and he kind of be, he kind of travels all the way through space, mm. and he's a complete wreck when yeah. he arrives back on Earth. He yeah. instantly sovers him up, and as you rightly say, Jay, that's when he realizes, 
I've actually been on a spaceship and it, it kind of shit's real and it, the penny drops. And he, that's when he wants to hire or get the rest of the cast back again to try and fight them. And no one believes him. No, no, they, they, they've, I mean, Alan Ripman's character is like Alexander. He's, he's finally gone mad, hasn't he? He's finally lost it. Um, oh, it's so funny. But, and you do feel sorry for them because they're opening like a tech value superstore. And yeah. they have to stand there and quote from the film. And there is zero energy. <laughs> yeah, it's just brilliant, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I, I think we're seeing the cast because, as you're right, they, all of them have this really nice arc and all of them get their own moment in the film, I feel. Yeah. Um, and this is the lowest they are at this point, just before they get on the ship and he announces the whole thing, you know, these aliens really need help. This is probably, I think, their lowest point. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And that's when you really have sympathy. And he does get like a, a radio thing that, funnily, coincidentally, conveniently, he yeah. bumps into um, Justin Long's character, Brandon, again, and they kind of swap radios. So he's got a proper alien radio, but he doesn't know that yet. But that does kind of play into things later on, which is handy. But yeah, so they all get beamed up. And even. Uh, Justin, Justin Hammer, there you go, there's me again. Uh, <laughs> Sam Rockwell's character, Guy. And I love Guy's character about he's a no one, and that's what yes. worries him. It's brilliant, isn't it, the way it plays out? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it plays out on, one, on, on the away mission later on, doesn't it? Because, yeah. again, and it's good that, like Scream, that they take the piss out of themselves, that even Guy says, I died in episode 51. Like, I didn't have a name badge. I'm just crew member. Yeah. That's it. So I'm going to die. If anyone's going to die, it's going to be gonna me. Be me. And yeah. it's so true, isn't it? You just yep. know when Captain Kirk and if Bones and an extra get beamed down, you know that extra's going to get killed. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Every time, isn't Every time. Every time. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the genius of this, that... The, the way and like scream as well when they said look it's the people who smoke or the, uh, the 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 slags and people who take drugs are the ones that get killed first and that the black person token gesture will get killed first and i think highlighting it takes away that trope and it, 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 it does a very clever way of doing it but then what i mean then why up until this point why were you then i'm assuming entertained at this uh, uh, in this to this film but not something like spaceballs what what do you think this film does differently? I think it's really, I think the writing is a lot smarter. And I think the actors are, are brilliant. I think Alan Rickman, especially, and Sigourney Weaver, or, or all of them, they all hold it together so well and play off the Star Trek. But, but they do it with kind of a lot of tongue-in-cheek but with a lot of respect at the same time yeah i think you hit the nail on the head yeah there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek in there but if you peel the peel the layers away you it it still takes the main storyline seriously there yeah. you know yeah and i think throughout the film you still fear for the lives of the characters even though it's a, it's kind of a slapstick comedy at times and you still think oh my god i hope they get through this even though yeah. you know it's a comedy yeah you're right and i think do get an arc, don't they? As you rightly Ooh. said, each character does. And I think that's what's so important with Alan Rickman. He's gone from proud like, actor to being in Galaxy Quest to to opposite end of the spectrum 
uh, hating it just as much as he once loved it. Yes. And then he starts to fall in love with his character, even though he knows that he quotes it later on that you're not a captain, you're just wearing a, like an outfit, it's fancy dress. Yeah. But do become that part. And, and I think it's good because there are, as you said, there are stakes, but in, in um, Spaceballs, there aren't stakes. It's just stupid. I mean, I like the bit in Spaceballs where they're in a, a lightsaber fight and one of the, the camera crew <laughs> get killed. And I, I think that's really funny because you, I always think that in films, but it was just too stupid. This was kind of done really well and there was a story there was a parody and the acting is just brilliant and the writing is brilliant and I think that's why I prefer this and I can't watch baseballs okay because when you said I remember when you said Galaxy Quest I remember in the uh, when you were, and I, part of me thinks you're thinking you're not going to like it so I thought it's going to be really interesting to see what you actually think I was convinced you're going into it thinking probably not going to like this I was yeah yeah I honestly thought last night when I put it on, I thought I'm really going to hate this and I hope I don't hate it because, I mean, it's only just over an hour, an hour and 37 minutes, but I just didn't want to hate it. And it was just a, a great surprise. And I just think it's very clever. It's like when they get beamed up, the, yes. the aliens come and meet them in their alien form because they haven't tried <laughs> humans. They're, it's like octopus, aren't they? Or squids or something. <laughs> yeah, they're really, And they're doing the really noise, they and I like the fact that everyone's freaked out when they arrive and uh, travel through space. But um, Tony, um, but Tony Shabu, he just arrives as if he's just got out of a, a taxi. He's so calm and it just nothing phases him whatsoever. But <laughs> this highlights, the, and it's confusing in a way because it highlights the arrogance of Tim Allen's character, doesn't it? Yes. When they initially arrive, when he shows them around the spaceship, introduces them to all the characters, and they love um, Alan Rickman's character. They love Sigourney Weaver's character um, because they obviously believe that it's real and mm. it's really deceitful what Tim Allen's doing at this time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, you're right. And And... I mean, but the whole crew of these aliens absolutely admire them because you're right. Yeah, because they all introduce themselves and they, they all they all say, you know, this is you know this is Gwen. They'll go, Gwen. This is you know you know Doctor Lazarus, Doctor Lazarus. Yeah. You know, this is this is Guy, and they all go, Guy. Which which tickled me a lot. Um, it's yeah, and then they it's just oh, um, and they got. I think it's funny, isn't it? Because you're right. It's I don't want to say it's a hodgepodge of actors, but it's a really bizarre cast that on paper you think this could be interesting, but it ends up working. It, end, it ends up working really well. And I'm talking about the cut, you know, these people and the differences with the aliens. And it just, it just comes together really, really nicely. Yeah, it does. And I'm, I'm glad that um, they don't concentrate on the deception of, uh, of uh, Tim Allen's character, because when he does turn mm. up, as you say, the threat there is so real. And yes, it is. And lives are at stake, and hundreds of lives are at stake. And at the moment, and it is kind of highlighted that when Tim Allen walks through one of the, the, the barracks, that everyone's standing there, and they all salute him. And he's kind of more impressed. He's enjoying the power at the moment. Mm. And he's not taking any threat serious. But 
it doesn't come across and make Tim Allen look like a bad character, which I think is really good. So they could have easily have twisted and you start to dislike him, but at no point do you dislike him in this. Or, or I don't personally. I don't know what you think. No, no, it, no. It's very easy to dislike him. But yeah, I, I think the way the way his character the way his character is written and the fact that these people are relying on him, you kind of think, well, he's going to have to he's going to have to step up at one point, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. His, his time will come, and I don't think he appreciates when his time will come. And it's great because they've built their the spaceship, the, the what is it, the NTE three one two zero, which is exactly the same, and it has got Starship Enterprise written all over it, really, isn't it? It, it, it has, yeah, it, it really has, definitely, mate. And did you notice that as the film goes on, Alan Rickman's kind of headpiece that he wears gets looser and looser as it goes along. No. Is that, do you reckon that's on purpose? I did not realise that. I yeah. Did not it, I've seen that film. Yeah, when you look at that, especially like the head, like the hairline, it kind of does look that it gets looser and looser as it goes along. Whether it, I don't know, it's intentional or whether the makeup's just rubbing off, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's very good. And they get on the spaceship and everything's as it was in the set. So, they can easily drive this massive spaceship. And uh, I mean, what is it? What's the pilot called? Um, Larado, isn't it? Or Lardo? Oh, well, yeah, I'm, on the, I'm, on the, I'm on the synopsis at the moment. Um, it's, uh, I don't want to say Lando. Um, oh. Uh, it's um, Tommy Weber as child, and he yeah. was the child pilot, um, Lardo. Yes. So, but he's aged a lot, but everyone, no one else, considering it's 18 years on, that none of them have aged really. I mean, Alexander Dane and um, Tawny Madsen, who's obviously played by uh, Gwen DeMarco, who's played by Sigourney Weaver. They, she looks amazing and none of them have really aged. So No, 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 no. Yeah, she, she, she does look amazing, doesn't she, in it? With her, I, mean, I mean, yes, with the, that blonde hair completely changed the way she looks, even though you can still tell it's, Bearing in mind, what she would have been fifty when she when she recorded this, because she's born nineteen forty nine, I think. Wow, that's. that's I know, fifty years old. Not bad. She looks absolutely incredible, and it's funny that her only kind of role in the film, which frustrates (laughs) her, is to repeat what the computer says and have big boobs, isn't it? Yeah, and that's almost very similar to what Uhura was, and I think I think in in the first few Star Trek episodes, I think she just basically read off what the computer said. From what yeah. I remember, which was which kind of like was a nod to that in a way. Yeah, it, it, it's brilliant. It, it really, really is good. And it's when they're kind of flying away um, from like the massive space station. Oh yes. And the driving is terrible, and the fact that the spaceship's veering towards the wall. I love the fact that everyone's looking at Lara or Lardo. Yeah. Um, and then they start leaning. Yeah. And they're looking at them. you're gonna crash into the wall. You might want to turn a little bit. And it's a massive screeching noise. I know everyone's crying, and all you hear is <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing, there's nothing anyone can do about it. He's, he's kind of like stuck there, and they, and they get out in the end. It, that was brilliant. That was such a good, that was such a good scene. Um, <laughs> um, but it kind of, the first time it turns serious is when they're in the mess hall, and um, they're kind of talking about what happened, and that's when the Mathasar talks about the old commander. And yeah. then they learned that the old commander was uh, captured by Cyrus and he wanted the Omega 13. And the Omega 13 was something mentioned in the, the TV series. Yeah, the but final no one, episode. 
yeah, no one ever knew what it was. It was just something they brought up. And we're probably going to kind of invest more time in to find out what it is. And it's interesting that Cyrus wants this as well because it's... But I couldn't really work out why he wanted it because he'd never seen the TV series before, had he? No, but I think what the way I got it from, even though, yes, you're probably right, in hindsight, could have been a bit more explained. Um, I mean, they, they could have... I'm, I'm trying to think. Because so well, I got it seen, from the previous commander who yeah, coughed and he, up and about he, it. Yeah, and he, uh, and he obviously thinks it's some kind of like really really powerful weapon and, and stuff. But you're right, that kind of wasn't explained why he wanted it so much. And I think in not that you want too much exposition, but that but a couple of like obvious sentences, even from one of the cast, would have sorted that out quite easily, wouldn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah, because it, it's built up, and it's only they talk about the Omega Thirteen being one of the most powerful weapons in the universe, which could destroy anything. Mm. And it's only a bit later on when you speak to one of the geeks, Justin Long, Brandon and his friends, that he talks about it being a massive weapon, but also that he believes, uh, and there's very few people believe, that it can um, turn back time 13 seconds. And why 13 seconds? I think it's a trope of convenience for the TV series, isn't it? Yes, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of a foreshadow for what comes in later on. But um, so they, they learned that there's real stakes. And Sam Rockwell, even he said um, that some of his panic was formed in, it goes back to a shout to Aliens, or is that, I think it's Aliens 2, where he goes, game over, man. Who's What's that character? You're an Aliens fan. Who's that? Oh, God, he's, he's passed away now, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, there are people uh, now listening to this saying Hudson. his name. Hicks, no. Not, well, Hicks was like the uh, Michael Beans character, wasn't he? Hicks. It, it was. It was. It was. My mate, I, I need to know. That's going to really annoy me. Um, game over, man. I'm. I'm. I'm have to Google it because it's going to be one of those things that's going to keep me awake at night. Oh, yeah. yeah I can't yeah. think. It's really annoying. Uh, you need to tell me. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. That's the one. That's Fantastic. It, yeah. yeah, and it was like a shout out to him uh, of the panic in his character, but. And it's brilliant because when they speak to Saris, and he's obviously very apologetic about shooting missiles at him before, very casually. Uh, yes. And he says, don't worry about it. And his second in command he's now got a head on a spear because he didn't put the force field up in time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and again, that's when this shit gets real because he realises Saris is a complete killer and he wants the Omega-13, which, and it's so awkward because he doesn't know where it is he doesn't really know what it does or, no. or how to get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we only really, yeah, we only see it a bit later, but we still don't know what it is until the end. You're right. Um, yeah, it's funny. And, and he also, <laughs> when he says, he does like that, the signal across his throat is if like, oh, kill it, kill it. Kill it, yeah. Yeah. And then he talks about how stupid Cyrus is, <laughs> as he is ugly. And uh, he tries to hatch a plan. Gwen. dealt with this guy before. He's as stupid as he is ugly. Hello. Come here. Jason. Not now, Gwen. No. Sit, 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 sit. We're going to send everything we can at him, all right? Jason. Not now, Gwen. Press these red buttons and send everything we have towards him, okay? Okay. All right, Gwen. <clears throat> Put me back on with it. Well, I'm trying to tell you, you are back. Perhaps I'm not as stupid as I am ugly. Commander. Uh, yeah, because then you hear him. He turns around. He goes, he's been listening to me. He goes, yes, I, am I as stupid as I am ugly? And then he goes, I, I told you to kill it. And she went, no, I thought, we're dead. We're dead. 
know, with, with the death across, across the throat to Sigourney Weaver's character. I was it agreeing with you, we're it? dead. Yeah, it is brilliant. And then, but, and then Sarek's ship completely ruins them, doesn't it? I mean, we have a life that was faced by. That's not what this film is about, but it's nice. It's there. Yeah. It does what it's meant to. It doesn't look bad. I don't think it's aged. I don't think it's aged too bad. Uh, you know, you know, um, it's not going to win any awards, but it, it 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 does what it needs to to to, to move the plot along. Yeah, I think the, the special effects. I had no problem at all with the special effects because I think because the controls on the spaceship, even though it's a new spaceship, mm. that it's still designed from like the the very old film, the Galaxy Quest series that they had. So you can get away with it. And when the ship's shaking, it's still really kind of tropey and a, a nod towards the original Star Trek series when they were shot by the Klingons and everyone leans from left to right. Yeah. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And they go through a minefield and they kind of damage themselves, don't they? Because they just get hit by mine well, after it, mine. I know we get that, don't we? They, they, they go for the minefield because they're losing the battle. And then, and then, um, and then, Mafazai explains that this is from the uh, from the old war, you know, all, all the mines. <laughs> and yeah. James, uh, and Jay, uh, the the captain James Nevers is, is telling the pilot, "Can you not hit every single one?" Well, no, Dan Rickman's <laughs> character, isn't it? Can you not hit every single one? And they're boinking off and completely. They end up going through the minefield, and then their ship's completely destroyed, isn't it? And yeah, then, it's absolutely knackered. Yeah, it is, and that's when they're in, and uh, then. Shortly after that, they're in the computer. They're in. They're in. Obviously, the, the briefing room, whatever you want to call it, and the <laughs> ship's computer is going through basically what's broken, which is the whole ship. <laughs> and it has to be. And even when Tim Allen asked the computer how many engines are working, what about the engines? <laughs> yeah. And then he can't do that. Then it's got to be Sigourney Weaver has to ask exactly the same question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, then, and she makes a point of, I might have one road on this ship, and I'm going to do it really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Computer, is there a, a replacement beryllium sphere on board? Computer, is there a replacement beryllium sphere on board? Negative. Uh, no uh, reserve beryllium sphere uh, exists on board. No, we have no extra beryllium sphere on board. You know, that is really getting annoying. Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? <laughs> so, um, yeah, she, she, she's clearly very passionate about her role. And they, and they realise they need to find the beryllium sphere, which is something, apparently, that... Um, it's, I, I imagine it's, it's basically the, the equivalent of something that powers the warp core in Star Trek, isn't it? I must admit, I've got no idea of anything in Star Trek. I'm completely, it's way out of my depth, honestly, my comfort zone. But this is good, though, because it, you don't need to know anything about Cypher in this film. It simplifies it enough, saying, we need the Beryllium Sphere or the ship doesn't work. It doesn't go anywhere, basically, you know? Yeah, and, and they point you that get out, that. don't they? Yeah. Simple. Even I understood that on the second watching. <laughs> <laughs> on the second. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And it's not, it's not insulting to the audience. It's just keeping it quite, it's just keeping it quite simple. So... You know, your eight, nine-year-old can be entertained by this as much as, obviously, the adult. I mean, but, you know, up until this point, I I mean, I think the whole film is, is, is quite nice for the whole, for most of the family, you know? Not too young, but... Yeah. yeah. Again, they they kind of... It goes semi-serious, I suppose, but then you get the humour again. They're going down on a planet. Things are quite tense. And then you get Guy saying, uh, let's do what we... Um, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Like, no one knows my last name. And he shouts out to everyone, what's my last, my last. name? And no, no one, one knows his last name. No. 
See, no one knows I'm going to do They calm him down. They end up landing. And he goes, don't open it. Did you, can you even breathe? Is there air? Do you remember? He, that he is was such, down the road. Oh, that's yeah. a brilliant shouter. When they, when, yeah, when Shatner and Picard land on planets, they just walk out. As you say, how do they know what yeah. kind of atmosphere, if it's poisonous or not? I know. And the engineer, Tech Sergeant Chat, he just goes, next he goes, yep, it's okay. <laughs> and walks out. Why is he so calm? You never realise why he's so I think, chilled out and not phased by anything. Reading the synopsis on Hollywood, uh, 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 the synopsis on, on him on, on the IMDb, um, uh, someone, I think that it's, it's suggested that he's, he spent all his time partying in Hollywood and on drugs. And it kind of like goes goes half to half baked basically throughout the half throughout most of the film that nothing really bothers him because of that. That's what right. my suggestion was, which maybe makes sense, but it's not very obvious, is it? We we no. don't really know. We're not really given a reason uh, as to, as to why he's just so chilled out all the time. It's when they land on the planet and they need to get um, the beryllium. That you get these little characters and it looks like. Um, the little one, Gollum. Is it Gollum from Lord of the Rings? Is that his name? Andy Circus, no. Uh, no, Gollum. The one who wanted the ring. Oh, I don't know his name. Gollum. Yes, Gollum. It's Gollum. He looks like him. And you get yes. loads of them come out. And I, I'm not too sure which one it is, but it's just, they look like children. They look very, very small and young-faced, these kind of yeah. green aliens. And one of them says they look like miners because they come from this big hole. Yeah. And... Uh, they get confused of miners being children and miners who yes, dig. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, that is like, that whole scene's brilliant. And then <laughs> one of them comes out as limping, and they're like, "Oh, look, they're going to help him to the water or her because they're limping." And then they basically wish each other and then eat him. Yeah, yeah. it's a corny weaver, isn't it? At least, and she wants to go and help him. And they, even they quote previous films of yes. don't, you know what happens when you go out to help them and yeah. uh, you're going to die and they need to get this film and even Sam Rockwell says don't you guys ever watch the show <laughs> no I, don't, I love that line I love that line <laughs> it's so good and they say right what we'll do is some of us will go and nick it and some will act as a distraction, like episode 51. And that happens to be the actual episode where Sam Rockwell's character <laughs> gets killed and he has enough of shit fit about it, doesn't he? He's, he? he's getting severe PTSD at this point, isn't he? I mean, I mean, I mean fair play, he's keeping it together. He's just about just. keeping it together. Yeah, and they do escape. And first of all, because they all get in the spaceship and I kind of, it's a massive like ball. And I thought that um, Tim Allen's character couldn't fit in there, but it looks like the, the little kind of alien characters pulled him out of the spaceship. What did you think? Yeah, I think, yeah, I've always thought, funny you say that, I've always thought he couldn't fit in there. But the door's closed, the, the door's closing, and you're right. I mean, I mean, it was quite comical seeing them all freaking roll this thing into the spaceship in the first place. Yeah. And then, yeah, and he jumps on, and I, and I just think he's in a vulnerable position where they end up grabbing him just for the door straps. Yeah, because initially I thought he couldn't fit in either, but that's, that wasn't the case. Yeah, and you even get out of it, um, and he's being taken, and the rest get away. You get... Oh, um, yeah, Alan Rickman's character, yeah. Saying that um jason naismith tim allen's character always has to be the hero left behind there's <laughs> yes. no concern at all it's just anger no. and frustration and jealousy it is it's brilliant isn't it and then <laughs> and then they go up and then uh he's basically in, in an arena with this big pig thing isn't he and they're all chanting something they're not sure at the, at the moment what they're chanting 
and this big pig and this pig thing's kind of attacking him. He thinks, oh, they it's like an arena, isn't it? Like a gladiator arena. I've got to kill this big thing. And it, and it's homage to the amount of times Captain Kirk ends up trying to fight this random alien of the week almost. Yeah, and he's even kind of doing it in the Captain Kirk style. Yeah, I know. He's rolling around as well, completely pointlessly, which is funny. Yeah, and he ends up with his top off. Yeah, just as Captain Kirk does, and it's a brilliant shout out without being too in your face and over the top. I know he's even holding the uh, walkie-talkie or the radio or the receiver, whatever you want to call it, the same yeah. way Kirk is as well. As you said, it's such a it's such a nice homage um, without being too slapstick. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why I think this is just so good because you, you watch it, and it's I think it's only after you realise what they're doing, but it doesn't take you away from what's actually happening. I mean, he's punching this massive pig thing in the face. It's just ridiculous action that you couldn't do, but what Captain Kirk did, and everyone back in those days was on the edge of their seats, worried whether he'd live or die of a boxing match with a pig. I think, do you you think, because obviously we're of that age where we can call back to that nostalgia, but if children watch this, uh, that they think it was ridiculous because they've all they've got to compare it to is well, for the last few years you've had the MCU, you know, and you had. Um, to be honest, Benny I Black, don't. I suppose. Yeah. Do you think it will be lost on them as stupid because we can see the callbacks? Yeah, that's the thing. It's almost like an allegory, isn't it? You can watch this film in two different ways. Where I think a little one that never seen Star Trek will watch it because. And I, I, th- I do think it would be entertaining for like a 10, 11 year old without knowing that it is, um, you, know, you know, taking the mick somewhat, um, an allegory almost for, for Star Trek. And then you and I will watch it in a completely different way. I still think it holds up because the effects aren't bad. The pig effects, they're, they're not the worst in the world. You don't look at it and think that's a completely fake pig or a man in a suit. It doesn't look that bad, does it? Um, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I, I know what you mean, though. It's interesting because, I mean, if I, I, I got my, if, you know, my daughter watched it, and I said, now you pointed out that I realised we were almost watching two different films, but the same film. That makes any sense? In a way? Because she's watching it as it's Galaxy Quest, and we're watching it as Galaxy Quest, but a homage to all these Star Trek and, and you know, and other sci fi elements that it's kind of like taking the mick out of. Yeah, yeah, but definitely. Kids, completely but agree, you're a 10 yeah. year old. But your but your ten but your ten eleven year old might not get that, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's good because we you'd both even though you're coming from different directions, you both enjoy it the same amount. I think. Yeah, it's kind of like you know the whole like remember at school when I, I had to read Animal Farm and that's like a kind of like a semi semi fairy tale political allegory about communism, isn't it? Or yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's almost similar to that, isn't it? I guess. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant, and the way they get out of this is they used. Um, like a, a transporter. Yeah, a transporter, but it's not set up to accommodate like the anatomy of the, the human, so they're not too sure how it's going to go. So they do beam this pig up, <laughs> and it's absolutely brilliant because, again, you get this tension which is completely destroyed by just the comedy and the one line. It is, yeah. And beaming it up, and this pig beams up inside out, and they're trying to cover it so Tim Allen's character doesn't hear, so he's not worried. But at the same time as they're doing this, 
you've got one of the other crew there who's given a commentary on that the pig's inside out and then it explodes. It's <laughs> yeah. so and he's just standing there with all his guts on his face. And everyone, everyone heard it. And it exploded, um, he said, <laughs> doesn't he? Um, Way well, he said it with such enthusiasm. What? What was that? Uh, nothing. I heard some squealing or something. Oh, no. Everything's fine. But the animal is inside out. I heard that. It turned inside out? <laughs> And it exploded. Because at this point, we see the only, I don't want to say character, but the only kind of like like extreme emotion of, of doubt we see for the first time at um, the Texas uh, Chen or whatever, when he because when he, he's the one that has to do the uh, transport, isn't he? Yes, that's right, yeah. And it's, it's great because rather than becoming a trope of you know he's going to do it like in other films, that in this, you want him to do it, you want mm, yes, him to have exactly. his moment. Mm. And, and I think that works so well. It's so clever because they're such likeable characters. And you could, because a lot of these films, I can't think of one on top of my head where someone can't do it and they come back and do the impossible and it makes them a better person. You know, this guy's going to do it because it happens in Star Trek. Yes. You know, it happens in um, like Star Wars and different things like that. And it it works well in here. But what I, I do like is they they deal with that by as he's kind of trying to um, beam Tim Allen up. Tim Allen has got his shirt off, talking to him exactly like James Kirkwood, inspiring the man in the sheer face of danger. He's not showing any emotion. He's being a true hero, and he does get beamed up. And it, it is such a good Kirk callback. It really is. And to be fair, Tim Allen looks really good with his top off. He's really in shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. He does, doesn't he? Uh, um, he, he? He does look really good. And this is an interesting you mentioned that about, about the Kirkisms, because this is the first time he properly acts like a real captain rather than an actor. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice because they're all getting that arc all at the same time. Yeah. And it's simple and, and it's fun and nice to watch because... They're just good characters. And this now ups the ante, doesn't it? Because Saris then boards their spaceship and takes each of them hostage. And he's even got uh, Mephisar, um, kind of, he's being tortured for where the Omega-13 is. Yes. <laughs> and then Saris wants, and then Saris suddenly understands what's going on and gets uh, and gets the captain to man to, to tell Mathazar the truth, doesn't he? About they're not historical documents, it was all a lie. We, uh, we pretended. We lied. Oh. Yes, you understand that, don't you, Mathazar? Mathazar, I'm not a commander, I, uh, there's no National Space Exploration Administration. We, we don't have a uh, ship. It's difficult to explain. It's a really sad it, scene, actually, for me. It is, because Saris never loses character. He's always serious in this, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. And I, I think that works really well, that there isn't any slapstick with Saris. He's the baddie, that's his role, and that's all he is, unlike all the other people in here who are often, they're as stupid as they are brave. 
Yeah, you're right, and I think that's and when in terms of when you mentioned about about it, 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 there is still a lot of respect once you once you get behind behind the comedy. I think that's one of the reasons why it works really well because as much as the funny bits are funny, there's still there's still stuff at stake in this film, and you wouldn't have taken it, you wouldn't have it wouldn't you wouldn't have felt so serious about it if Saris did not play it completely straight. Yeah, and to tell them that they're actors. And that um, Mephisar's whole world is destroyed. That he's, and it's a similar story to Bugs Life, isn't it? Where he's told his people that he's got these guys involved and they can be the savior, just like in Bugs Life against the mm. locusts, and that they're circus actors and these are just actors, and that he's made a massive mistake. And it's quite a touching speech, and it's, and it's nice that before in the toilet when they were, um, Tim Allen overheard that. He's just an actor and he's a laughing stock. But it doesn't destroy him because he's come that far. He's beaten that monster. He's been beamed up. And it, it it kind of inspires him to be a better person. And I think that's really good. Yeah. It does. It does. And this is in in terms of in terms of the plot, the lowest point, you know, you know, the, the Empire part, you know, the, the the middle well, I don't say the middle act, but the, the point where they all need to get over because they need to do something about it. They're captured. Um the ship's about to blow up at some point as well. The self-destruct has gone on, hasn't it? Yeah. And, and again, spot on. Now it only gets better and better and they inspire each other. And they, I've got a real aliens callback of when they're going to be sucked out in space. And that's what Cyrus says, that Alan Rickman and Tim Allen's character, again, like they do, let's do what we did in episode 17 and reenact where they have an argument. Oh, yeah. It's just like they're doing buddy cop films where they're arguing just to distract the baddie, like in Bad Boys, mm. they did it in every single film after, every 20 minutes, I think. But they do that, and both the kind of the baddies get sucked out into space. And again, that's a really nice bonding moment because these characters have always been at each other's throats. And as you said earlier, that Tim Allen stole Alan Rickman's lines throughout there and has got the glory, and it's always about him. And it's nice to see them bond. It is. It is. It is nice to see them, but yeah, because they do they do have that moment. Then then you you suddenly see, as you said, you know they're 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 finally working as a team as a crew, like they did on the show. The you know the the, the fake acting on the show is kind of becoming real, isn't it? Um, to them, I did I did also like one of, obviously one of the one of the two guys that flies out ends up, ends up ends up hitting the windscreen, so to speak, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's, it's like four. Yeah, hitting the yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy's spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wipes off. Um, and then, obviously, uh, um, Tim Allen's Scorny Weaver, they, they go off to um, try and stop the self-destruct. And at some point, they're, they're in the bowels of the ship. And they need, this, is when they, this is when they need to call our friend Brandon from the Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. Um because they've got no clue about the ship whatsoever, have they? And no. they've all gone off on their little missions. And the, their their lives are at stake. All of the aliens' lives are at stake. The universe could be at stake. And the one thing that slows them down is the fact that Brandon has got to take the garbage out <laughs> and do the recycling. It is that so funny. That, that made, yeah, running, running around. And I did like the thing. He goes, yeah, I know I know it's not real. I know I get it. Goes, and he goes, no, it is real. And he's like, and Brandon's like, I knew it, I knew it. And the man's character says it all, it's all real, which is, it shows you how unhinged some fans are. Um, and then, and then it essentially helps us through. We see, we see the Omega Thirteen. We still don't know what it is, even by, even by looking at it. 
And then him and Sigourney Weaver go through this absolutely ridiculous assault course, essentially, to get yeah. to the to get to the stop button, which you think, what the hell is all this for? It's ridiculous. There is a reason for it. And the, the, the funniest thing is they get there in time to stop it. It doesn't stop. And it ends up stopping at one, just like the show, which which made me crease up so much. Yeah. I have, do you know, the strange thing is when I watched that last night, I thought something's got to stop them. Something's got to stop them. But it was counting down. I thought, they're not stopping it. I thought, what's going to happen? And it took them... I don't know, it took me a few seconds for the penny to drop, admittedly. Yeah. But yeah. of course, it always stops on one in the films. Uh, and I thought that was such a good touch. It's so cheesy and it works really well, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah, because why build it here? It's because the historical documents, they copied the ships. They copied and pasted it, didn't they? Completely. Which, yeah. is, which is obviously why. And they took it. And, and you see how literally they took it. Um, yeah, and it's in literal. This scene. And when Alan Rickman saves every all the crew who are being suffocated oh yes and he walks in there and all of the people he saved shout out commander taggart saved us yeah. <laughs> he's, face just he's, really, yeah, he's really happy at first isn't it yeah you said yeah. he's really happy isn't it and then he just gets ruined and he has his moment because after that his colleague who helped rescue him gets shot by the baddies and he just charges down the corridor and he's far from being Hans gruber he goes after him he starts kicking ass. Oh, he does. And to me, that once again, this is the second saddest scene because he's like clearly dying. Yeah, you know, almost overacting his thing. And then he just wants him to say the line. And it's almost the line he hates, this line he hates, but he's most spoken for. And it's probably the first time we see on camera that, or probably in his life, that he's actually meant that line. Like, yes. yeah, I'll avenge you. Yeah, and it, it's, it was nice for him to say, as you said, and actually mean it. And yeah. uh, I thought that was a, a really good idea, a really good touch, wasn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, I mean as we said, that's his character arc, you know. Um, um, and then he just basically rugby tackles half the, half, half the crew of the bad people. Yeah, he goes absolutely berserk, <laughs> don't he? I, know, I like to see him do that. It was, because after he does that, I think the next scene we see him when t- is when, I think when he meets up with Tim Allen and, and his makeup's all gone off, his hair's coming out, his prosthetics, he looks a mess, doesn't he? With yeah. all the fighting he's been doing. Yeah, he just loves it. It really is good. And I, I like the way, um, I mean, you'll probably describe this better than I will, of how they actually managed to destroy Saris's spaceship. I thought that was a really clever way. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, went, in, they went, into, went into the minefield. And what we realised previously is the, minefield, the mines are magnetic. They follow the ship, which is, which is why he was having such difficulty. And because of all the practice he had, uh, which was the first really in the film, you know, you need to get... Tim Allen's character said, said to the pilot, you need to get really loads of practice. He was, and he was flying so close to the, to them that he was following it. And then there's Sarah thinking, you're not going to play chicken with me. I'm going to, I'm going to rip your ship to shreds and stuff, etc." And then he realizes to his horror, you know, we're carrying loads of mines and it was too late at that point. And that, that's how Sarah's ship, you know, completely blows up. Um, but even before that, I did like them teleporting the big rock monster um, yes. with, with, um, into the, <laughs> into the engineering room or whatever and, and uh, uh the tech sergeant's really enjoying that moment doesn't he he likes yeah he's quite pleased sam rockwell wants to go in there um guy does and he says look this is my job because i've got no surname i'm just uh the sixth member of the crew unknown yeah. <laughs> go in there and i thought he was gonna die i thought that was what he was gonna do i didn't oh, okay. realize he'd live so i thought that was a brilliant twist yeah it was it was and also it? sorry that uh back at the start of the film that Sigourney Weaver said um, the only reason 
why they like my character when Gwen um, DeMarco gets interviewed, it's only about my boobs. Uh, and in this, obviously, her uniform gets ripped. Yes. And this must have been what it was like in the series every single week for her, the poor woman, that her top's open and you can she's got a bra on, like a push-up bra, and her boobs look really big. And she's running around the spaceship with her boobs bouncing everywhere. <laughs> and that was obviously what it was like for her every week. And she doesn't care. She doesn't cover them up. This is real life. And I like that fact that she just seems a lot more confident about herself. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think because of that whole we're acting the parts, but now we are the parts kind of thing. You know, art imitates life almost. And you're right. Um, and, and all the crew end up and end up having, having, as we said, all having their moments in the sun. In, in the sun. Um, so... They've blown up. They they they've blown up Sarah's ship, and then I think one of the characters, uh, the engineering guy, turns t- turns turns around and goes, "There was some there was a pulse eliminating, or someone said there was a pulse eliminating from uh, uh, like a teleport for, from his ship just before the explosion." Yeah, it was um, yes. Anna Whitman's character, and then you see the tech sergeant come through, and then it ends up being Sarah. He basically shoots them all, doesn't he? Kills them all. Yeah, I was to. really surprised when um, Fred Palm comes in. With, uh, and he starts kind of shooting everyone, and he shoots um, obviously Tim Allen's character first, and everyone gets shot, and it's interesting that the only person who doesn't get shot is Sam Rockwell's character, Guy. When oh, he yeah. Was one yeah. Who was who kept saying that he's going to die, and I didn't know what was going on. I thought everyone's being murdered. What are they going to do to get out of this? I had no clue what was happening and how they were going to fix it. And it turned no. out to be Saris as Fred Kwan's character, and I was still lost to what they were going to do. I know, and then Tim Allen, just before he goes, activates the Omega-13, and they go back in time. It'd be interesting to see if it's exactly 13 seconds. But they go back in time 13 seconds, and he then shoots, he then realises what, you know, what it is, because uh, no one else knows. So I'm assuming the person that activates the Omega-13 still has the memory of that other timeline. Yes, thankfully. Otherwise, they'd go for it again and again and again, wouldn't yeah. they? It'd be a, a time loop, just a it, nightmare. It would, and uh, yeah, and then they end up. Well, we think he kills Saris, and then everyone's really happy. They all say their goodbyes. Well done. And uh, one of the aliens, the, the the female octopus, ends up uh, staying with uh, uh, the our engineer Fred. Yeah, because it's Methasar who has been tortured previously. Um, uh, by Saris ends up uh, smashing him up with his crutch. Yes, and, that's it. Yeah, and that's when he kind of says the famous line. Never isn't it? give up, never surrender. Yeah. <laughs> He's so sweet, isn't he? It is, it just, isn't it? It's so, it's such a good ending. He's so proud of himself, honestly. And uh, yeah, and the, the ship interestingly separates very much like the, uh, I think it's the Enterprise D. Um, in the next generation. Oh, really? Or E? Yeah, yeah. Originally, you know, this is the next generation. In the first season, they got it. So the saucer section, uh, 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 like, came apart from from the other section. Right. I'm um, thinking it would create all these story, you know, all these different storylines things because uh, because there's families on board and everything like that. And it was only like one section was meant to be the battle section. Um, yeah, but but it never I really transpired. Yeah, it's in the first. It's in the first episode, Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, where you first be that Q guy, but I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. No, so. I, I, uh, I never watched it. It was way above me, honestly. It was way above you, was it? There's a, there's a few really good episodes, but um, yeah. Um, 
and, and it kind of mimicked that. And then, well, you know, um, Mal Malthus, he, he leaves, and they basically try and land land the other half of, of the uh, of the ship. And they land it, and Brandon's helping them out with waving around at this point, and they end up, they end up crashing into co- the, their equivalent of Comic-Con, don't they? Yeah, uh, it is great. But I, I love, because Brandon's obviously a geek who spends all his time in his bedroom making stuff. And as he's running out of all these fireworks, there's signals for them. Uh, his mum asking where he's going, and he comes out with this really weird about the super projectors accelerating yeah. through some hole, and uh, and he goes on. The parents just got some blank look on his face, and then they just turn around and go, "Well, at least he's going <laughs> yeah. outside for once." Yeah, it's I so like that. Funny. It is. Well, the protector got super accelerated coming out of the black hole, and it's like nailed the atmosphere at Mark 15, which you guys know is pretty unstable, obviously. So. We're going to help Laredo guide it on the Vox Ultra Frequency Carrier and use Roman candles for visual confirmation. Uh, all right, dinner's at 7. Well, he's outside. Yeah, it's just a look of absolute being puzzlement, honestly. But, yeah, and I love the entry um, back into Comic-Con. Yeah, they, they smash in the Comic-Con, don't they? And everyone's like, what the hell's going on? And then um, <laughs> each of the star each of the people step out and everyone cheers as, as if it's like, this is what's meant to happen. And then obviously, uh, Saris, who no one knows, uh, you know, comes out, it's clearly a baddie. And then, uh, our captain shoots him and then everyone cheers. And it is such a heroic roll on the floor. <laughs> yes. It is. And then just shoots him in the chest. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's so cheesy. I love it. It is. It is. And, that, and, that, and that's pretty much, I mean, galaxy, you know, galaxy, galaxy quest, but, and they, what's interesting, they leave completely separately they don't really get on with each other they they, they hate they they dislike their lives they don't like where they've gone in life you know um they're some of them are really bitter and they come back as the crew as a crew as almost as close as you could to that real life crew that was on tv which launches a, a, a serious continuation doesn't it on tv yeah it does yes I, and that was such a nice way to end it wasn't it the intro and guys in it as well and so is the alien lady and do you know what I've, I didn't know? Because when, uh, obviously, they, they do get out and you see them in space again. Um, and it, again, it's like cheesy looking at the camera like they did in the 80s and like that. And it's brilliant with their names come up. Mm. And I didn't know whether they decided to go back into space properly or whether this was a TV series. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, TV series, I think. Yeah, I th- it, but yeah. It, as you say, a brilliant way to end it. They've it got was. their careers back there working together they've overcome any ego problems and it, it, it's just a really good way to finish it and i really enjoyed it i was totally blown away and surprised really I'm, i yeah, yeah i was really genuinely because i know you're not a fan of star trek so i was genuinely quite interested to see what you're gonna what you would think about it um, yeah yeah I'm not, I'm not saying i'm surprised i wouldn't have because i wouldn't have been surprised either way because it really for me it really was I might as well toss a toss a coin, see where it's heads or tails, because I, I really wasn't sure, you, you know, where, where, where that penny, where that penny would fall. So it's really, in, but it, but what I think it says a lot about the film, but for someone like you that's not the massive fan of that kind of sci-fi, let's say, yeah, uh, to then enjoy the enjoy the film as much as you did. Yeah, because I'm really because out of the list you gave me, we were going to go Karate Kid too. <laughs> Because there was Karate Kid 2, War Games, Master of the Universe, Pacific Rim, Galaxy Quest, and Labyrinth. Um, mm. Crocodile Dundee. And 
out of all of those, but Karate Kid 2, we had to pay for that. And too much of a tight ass to pay for that. So that's why we went for Galaxy Quest in the end. And I'm really pleased we did because all of the rest of them I've seen. Um, and we've done Labyrinth already. Um, so. Oh, we have, haven't we? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, the Bowie, and, Bowie uh, Neil wants to do, or Paul wants to do um, War Games, but it was nice to do a film that I'd never seen, which is. And it, so it was just by sheer luck, but it worked out brilliantly. So, I mean, I'll be the newbie. Um, I'd give this four out of five. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, Adele enjoyed it as well. She thought it was really good fun. She'd never seen it before. Um, and I don't think I can't find any worse bits in this because I think it, the pace goes well. Everyone gets their arc and it's a really good homage to Star Trek without taking a piss out of it and without ruining this as going into Spaceballs territory. I thought it was all really good, really well written and a, a brilliant cast. I really enjoyed it. Mate, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you. I'm four out of five. Uh, and I think you pretty much said everything I was going to say in terms of the fact that they, they did respect... Yeah, they, they as much as a parody is a reward, they still respect... <laughs> there was enough respect there. I mean, the biggest example, I think, when you and I spoke about the fact that Saris was... Um, um, you know, his character was completely straight, no slapstick whatsoever. He was just not a nice, but not a nice person. You, you know, not quite pantomime villain, but not a nice person. Um, and it was, and it was just, it just worked really well. And, and I'm really, really, and I'm really, really glad you liked it. And I think it says a lot about how good that film is. That um, people that are not really into that kind of sci-fi can watch it and and in, and and enjoy it. And, and arguably on slightly different levels as well. For like the older generation. Um, you know, would have probably got, are going to appreciate it a lot more, aren't they? I think the comedy bits. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But but it's still an entertaining family film. Um, yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm glad, glad you liked it. Like you bet. There's not really. I mean, granted, it's not getting a five. I think because it's not. This film is not going to win any awards, is it? It does. It does nothing absolutely spectacularly. Yeah. But it's greater than the sum of its parts in terms of everything fit together really really just just really really nicely and it just works worked really really well even yeah. you know yeah even though i think you and i quite happily put our hands up saying it's not you know at no point is it going to win on any award show or it's probably not going to be on my top 10 of all times films list but that's not to take away from this is a really really solid film yeah definitely i don't think it would suit everyone because it is sci-fi but for me I just found it surprisingly good. I think it was a surprise. And even watching it today, I picked up things that I didn't pick up yesterday, which isn't a surprise for my IQ. But I, I, just, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was great. But so there, that was, there was talk of a sequel, uh, funnily enough. Oh, you're joking. Yeah, but no, they're not. I don't think they didn't. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, but I don't think there's going to be one. But there was initial talk of a sequel because of how I think how well it did, not necessarily at cinemas, but I think on DVD and rental when it came out, when that was still a thing. Um, when it came out, I think it kind of like didn't do that well as they wanted at the cinema, and it wasn't I think until it came out for home video and DVD back in 1999-2000 that it did really, really well, and that's when I think a lot of people ended up appreciating it a lot more. Well, yeah, because the budget for that was 45 million. Opening weekend, it made seven, and it grossed 71, and um, cumulative worldwide was 90 million. Yeah, so not 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 a failure, but not the, a massive success either, was it? No, I think on DVD, um, it would have gained yeah. a lot more than that. I, I think it would have made over 100 million. I would, I would have thought, um, I'd be surprised if it didn't. But 
yeah, a, a real surprise, something I wouldn't watch normally. But we'll hopefully be back on to uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, uh, if not next week, the week after when you're available. And uh, Again, I'm really looking forward to talking about this. There's so much to talk about with this film um, and where it goes from here and what they've done with the franchise. Beginning yeah. of the end I, I, for me, but yeah. Yeah, I... I yeah, I don't know. I've not seen the next two films. I've only I I didn't see two of the next two, and then I saw the last one where they brought um, Sarah Connor back. So uh, yeah, and I I did enjoy that film as well. I saw that at the cinema a few times. I thought that was quite a good film. Ah, well, well <laughs> it's going to be an interesting podcast. But speak, you mentioned the cinema. I've noticed in quite a few trailers that um, a lot of film companies, a lot of production companies, are criticised for, send- for sending their films out stream on stream, which is really hurting cinemas, isn't it? And I've yeah, this, the, yeah, a lot of trailers the cinemas are, are saying, opening again on the seventeenth. Yeah. Um, a lot of cinemas are saying exclusive to cinemas. A lot of the trailers, so that's the bloody washing machine. A lot of trailers are now saying exclusive to cinemas, aren't they? Now. They are, and uh, uh, they were doing that for uh, Mortal Kombat, which was out for kind of streaming as well. But I think a lot of films that just need to be seen at the cinema. I mean, I think even Mortal Kombat film. I oh, enjoyed yeah. the original one. This one looks quite good. I've read a few reviews about it, which are really mixed. But you just can't beat the cinema experience, I don't think, for the films. No, because no, I saw a trailer for, uh, the, is it The Quiet Place? Or the quiet, yes. The, uh, yeah. What did you think of the first one? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the first one was really good. It'd be interesting to see how they do the second one. Um it's a yeah, shame. Did it need a sequel? I don't think it needed a sequel, so really, I thought it was a nice ending. You didn't think it really did? Well, I like the ending. No, I mean, you could have a sequel, but did you, without spoiling it, I think it ended with, I mean, it wasn't like humans have won again, but they have, a, but they potentially have a way to sort things out. You did, and it, it, I don't think it needed a sequel, personally. So I think it's but, a shame that John Krasinski won't be in it. Ah, I've watched the trailer. Yeah. It looks that, um, if you, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm not, if you, you normally go into the films without watching a trailer, don't you? So I won't tell you. But watch the trailer. But watch the trailer. I've seen the trailer for it. Oh, he's in it. He's in the trailer. Is he? Yeah, he's in one of the. He's in one of the trailers. I'm sure of it because I'm sure there's a couple of scenes before the aliens attack, and, and I think it goes back in time. Part some of it does. Right. How it all started. Okay, because uh, when you go through IMDb, he's not listed down on IMDb. He definitely, um, if you look at all the trailers, he's definitely in one of the trailers, G. Because I literally yeah. watched it, I'm sure, unless I'm, unless I, unless that was not a normal mushroom. Um, <laughs> yesterday, I saw it, I saw, <laughs> I saw him, yeah, I saw him in the trailers. I mean, is it taking place, um, I mean, it, it could be in it through flashbacks. Yeah, but... he's in it through flashbacks in terms of, because he walked in the trailer, he walks into a store, talking, and on TV you see these. They're what I think they're watching TV or in the background these things land. The meteorites land, which is obviously the aliens, and I think it's yeah. like a, it's like a, 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 you know, back going back in time to kind of how it all started. Even though there's other stuff that's gone on after the after the first film ended. But it's, so. it's good that because uh, Cillian Murphy is the guy um, who kind of replaces him to a certain extent. I, I don't really know, but I'm glad that Krasinski's. Um, written and directed this because then you will get that continuity. I know he's married to Emily Blunt anyway, mm. um, so they're always going to do stuff together. But I, I think it shows promise, and I'd like to see 
how the aliens landed and what their intentions are. I think that was missing from the first one for me that we didn't actually get that. They were just but, there yeah. already. But I like that. I like that because it, it gave it more of like a mystery to it. Yeah. Because yeah. they were just there. It's almost like some of the some of the really good zombie films, not all, throw you right in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. You don't know how it started. It's just happened. This is it. This is what's happening, and you go from there. And I think some of them are really good as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, whether mm. people will be walking away saying that they really didn't need part two or whether it yeah. just could lead to a part three. I, I doubt it. I don't know. But No. no. Oh, and uh, Venom 2. The trailer. I saw the Venom 2 trailer as well. Doesn't really give much away. I've not it? even seen that either. So, no. Uh, um, yeah, did you like behind. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the first one. I really enjoyed yeah, it. I, I was surprised. I did not think... I was thinking it was going to be crap. Yeah. And I watched it and I was... I, I like it when I'm when I'm wrong, because I'd much rather something that I go to, I enjoy, than, than, than become a hater of it, you know, if I can. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I wasn't sure about Tom Hardy. That was my biggest doubt of, of will he ruin it? I, and, mm. But he didn't. He was really, really good. I, I don't know. Is it going to be the same people, like that Riz Ahmed in there as well? Or um, is... I know. I know, because uh, uh, Tom Hardy's obviously in it. Yeah. Um, I know... Carnage is in it, and that's the same guy. Oh, big actor. I forgot his name. God's sake. He's in a lot of things. Jesus. I'm getting old, Steve. <laughs> but yeah. What, in Venom 2? In Venom, in Venom, yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, in the uh, credit scenes, he, he goes and meets that crazy, the, 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 the guy that's met like crazy. Oh, Woody Harrelson. Yes, it, Woody Harrelson's in it, yeah. Yeah. Cletus he's Cassidy. Gonna be, He's going to be, I think he's going to be, the, yeah, he's going to be the main villain. Yeah, I, I don't, must admit, I don't know anything about Carnage. I don't know about Cletus Cassidy's character of how he becomes Carnage. So uh, it's going I to be I think they're going to change it to what the comics are. I think it's just a shame that there's no cameo of Spider-Man. Even like a little cameo would be nice. Kind of like Batman cameo sort of in the Suicide Squad, doesn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, with everything that's going on in the MCU at the moment, it would I, be really hard, I think, because I, I don't know how he's going to be uh, featuring like the multiverse with Doctor Strange, and it, it's going to be really, really interesting. And oh, I'm looking they, forward to that. Mix, yeah, if they're going to mix in the universes, would have Tom Hardy in the blip, would have it affected him and his missus, uh, like Rachel Williams, would something happen to her? I, mean, I doubt the, it, but the blip really complicated everything, didn't it? It it did. It kind of like like um the Flash had that Flashpoint, didn't they? In yeah. Flash and Arrow and Supergirl. And what I I watched part of it, they went back to, and because they went back to all these parallel universes. So you had they went back to the Smallville where you saw Tom Jimmer, you saw Tom Welling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they went back to Brandon Ruth Superman, which is interesting. So it'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they so, do so, if they start mixing it out. Yeah, I mean, they're doing yeah, oh god, that'd be great. For me, I always wanted, and I know it was wrong, and I know people criticize. I think I mentioned it to you. I always wanted, it never happened, the last scene in Avengers Infinity War, not to be Captain Marvel because she's rubbish. I really wanted it to be the X Men logo. Really? For me, I, mate, if hmm. it was paging the X Men my logo, I'd have lost my SHIT. Because I really like Captain Marvel. I think Brie Larson is fantastic as Captain Marvel. I think it's a great film. I've seen that quite a few times. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, nah. Uh, the problem is, I think not many people, average people, knew who Captain Marvel was. 
So that, no, for a lot I of didn't people, know. that didn't mean that didn't mean anything. That's why I thought I don't know, but they weren't because they hadn't bought Twentieth Century Fox at the time. But I just thought, yeah, that that that'd have been awesome. But then again, for me, the MCU will never ever get higher than those two films. Those two years was the epitome of all the blood, sweat, tears, and work they put in since the first Iron Man film. You know? Yeah, I sat and watched Captain America: The First Avenger the other day, and you know, as good as it is, it just makes you sad because. That he will never be in it again, you know. I know you got um, I know. Sam now as Cap, which, yeah. which is really good. And when I, me and Neil spoke so highly about him and Bucky um, in that series, but uh, Steve Rogers is just so good. And without him and that Tony Stark and obviously uh, Black Widow as well, it'll be really interesting to see who's going to step forward and whether well, it, really was, it really Martin's was those three. It was those three that held it all together, really, with probably Hulk. Even though Hulk didn't really... I mean, Hulk, as, as Mark Ruffalo, didn't have his own film. But it was those three that you, I really felt they held it together. As in, not, 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 not you know, in, in a good way. They were, like, the three main characters. Even though, once again, Black Widow didn't get it, but they featured so much in... in, 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 in you know, Black Widow was an Iron Man too, wasn't she, first introduced? And she'd been in yeah. a lot of the other... Yeah. It was, it was just so, so well done. And it... It's got now for what I do like is it it gives you space for different characters to come in. And what do you think? How established now that uh, Wonder Maximoff is and Vision as well. Now he's changed. And then you've got Monica Rambeau as well, that she's come into it. She was a nothing character. It was her mum only in Captain Marvel. And now that she's got those powers, but she can step forward. So it, does give space for side characters and Bucky and Sam as well. It does, but the, the feeling I get, but I, I, cause I, and, and to be honest, I'm, I'm not coming from as, as wise as you are because you watch it a lot more. Is is before I mean, 2000, when 2008 hit, Iron Man was the equivalent of a side character compared to all the compared to all the you know the other Marvel heroes. Yeah, yeah, he was a side character. Not many people cared about, him. and it was that film and the portrayal of him. You know, um, really, really put him in up there with Spider-Man in the lineup because beforehand he wouldn't have arguably been in the same breath, and it was that portrayal and the fact that Marvel really got behind him. And I don't at the moment, I, I don't know whether they'll be able to do that with any of any of the other characters because I think for the Iron Man one, it was basically it was almost like when you make the perfect cup of tea, the perfect soup, the perfect dinner. All the ingredients were just perfect, and it just went from there. You know. And yeah. I just hope they can do that again, but I don't know because it was like one of those. It was just really, really good the the, the way it all happened. Um, yeah. I guess I guess time, yeah. only time only time will tell. But it's interesting now that they're they're focusing a lot more on TV than they were before. Since. Yeah, Loki looks very good as well. That mm. looks really, really good. The the way they've they've played that out. Um, and with the characters, I mean, Owen Wilson. Who would have thought Owen Wilson would have started to to be in Loki and I think I think they're going to do two seasons of Loki as well um, so it will be good to see the way they do that and um, and they, how well they stick with the characters because you've got that Mombius who puts Owen Wilson plays it, they kind of controls the time and people who break time which is where obviously um, Tom Hiddleston's character comes into it after sitting the Tesseract yeah of course and I don't Avengers. know the mission, even though they, they show a lot in the trailer, they don't give a lot away, which Marvel were really good at. So yeah. 
they looks like they show Asgard, but do they show it? I don't know because we know it's been destroyed. So it's it, it looks really really good, and uh, hopefully you can jump in with myself and Neil, and we'll be reviewing that every Saturday in the morning. So uh, that that'll be no, really definitely. really good to do. So. So, so I mean, there we go. A lot to look forward to, which is nice. Yeah, 100%. So next we'll be doing Terminator 3. Um, if you can't do that, then we'll be coming up with something else, some alternative film um, in the meantime, just as a bit of a filler as well. Okay, brilliant. There we go. So everyone, check us out on um, iTunes. We're on there on Spotify. Leave a comment, leave five stars, uh, and check out the YouTube channel, The Film Realcast. And there's a whole heap of stuff, and every podcast will be uploaded on there on the podcast playlist so you can't miss a thing but again just leave some feedback leave a positive comments only that's all we allow isn't it it is <laughs> well hopefully neil will be back and everything will be good and uh hope everyone enjoyed this and thanks for listening it's been really good fun Gave me-